listening to Belt of Truth. Conversations, arming laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. Hello, this is Joe Ferris, and you are listening to the Belt of Truth. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in and sharing this podcast and other podcasts on the Belt of Truth with your friends. You are going to be blessed by listening to this podcast, by paying attention to the Armor of God, and by allowing our Lord to rule your life and to challenge you to go further in your faith. Amen, friends. Keep going. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity to just come and speak to you about our passions, our loves. We ask that this conversation be blessed and inspired by your holy words. We entrust all this as we pray together. Glory be to the the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth, and I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with a special guest today, Bishop Kevin Rhodes. Bishop, thanks for being here with us. You're welcome, Rob. We were really excited when you said yes to this uh, opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with you. I think people need to know that you're willing to do that, which is important because sometimes we think of bishops in a faraway land and you're unapproachable and we can't talk to you and that's not the case. I mean, all we had to do is reach out and said, hey, we wanted to have a chat. And you were like, sure. So here we are. And wanted to thank you for doing that. Today, we wanted to really kind of get to know you a little bit better and ask you some questions about who you are and where you where you came from, how you got here. So the first question I have for you is this notion of being a successor. Father Dan Scheid refers to you that way. What does that mean? Well, really, the Pope would be the successor of Peter, but the bishops are successors of the apostles. You know, my favorite apostle is St. John, and uh, he was my confirmation name. Basically, this whole doctrine of apostolic succession, and this is such a beautiful part of the identity of the Catholic Church, is that the Church goes back to the apostles and to Jesus himself, who established the apostles to be the teachers and the leaders of the community of the church that he founded. And there's been an unbroken line of succession through 2,000 years. In other words, the apostles themselves, who are eyewitnesses of Jesus, who witnessed the risen Christ after the resurrection, and were given the mission by Jesus to continue his mission in the world, they were strengthened by the Holy Spirit to do that at Pentecost. That was the beginning of the church. And then the apostles appointed or ordained men to succeed them in this ministry, the apostolic ministry. And that meant that they would be able to celebrate the sacraments, especially the Holy Eucharist. They were the chief teachers of the faith, and they were the shepherds, the guides of the communities. So the Catholic Church traces itself back to that because the successors of the apostles then appointed those to take their place, etc., all the way down to today. And what's one thing I'm really is neat about my own succession is uh, I was ordained by a bishop who was ordained by St. John Paul II. So my line of apostolic succession goes back through John Paul II, who's kind of a hero of mine. Yeah, and, and you're from Pennsylvania, correct? That's right. I was a priest of the Diocese of Harrisburg, and I was Bishop of Harrisburg for five years before I was transferred here to Indiana. And where did you go to high school? Lebanon Catholic. Sadly, it's, it's been closed. I grew up in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which is in the Diocese of Harrisburg. You've probably heard of Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Hershey Chocolate, so Lebanon is not that far away. 
um, maybe 15 miles from Hershey. I was actually born, though, in the coal regions of Pennsylvania. Most of my ancestors were coal miners, and that was a little town called Mahanoy City. But with the, with the mines closing in the 1950s, you know, they became economically depressed. A lot of people moved out, including my family. So I was just a year old when they moved to Lebanon. So siblings? <clears throat> How many siblings do you have? I have an older brother and a younger sister. Okay. And uh, mom and dad? Yeah, they're both deceased. My mom died in 1994, and my dad actually in 2009, just a few months before I was transferred here. Mm. So how was, how was life growing up for Bishop Kevin Rhodes? I had a great upbringing, wonderful extended family as well, cousins and aunts and uncles, We're very close-knit family. My mother's side is my grandfather came from, my mother's father came from Greece. He was an immigrant. Her mother, her mother was of Irish descent. My father was German, a little bit of English, and my, German, my father's side of the family was all Protestant. And my mother's side, Catholic, although it was Orthodox and Catholic because my grandfather from Greece was Greek Orthodox. But my mom and her siblings were all raised Catholic because of their mother, the Irish, my Irish grandmother. So now everybody's Catholic. Yeah. So what was your call to the priesthood? I mean, do you remember that moment? I do. I think the first time I, I actually thought that I might be called to the priesthood was when I was confirmed in seventh grade. As I mentioned, I chose St. John as my confirmation name. But I kind of, as a lot of young people do, I kind of put it in the back of my mind and kind of ignored it throughout high school and had a very normal, great high school life. I was very involved in many things in high school. Went to college and was studying political science. And there was something missing. I kind of felt this longing more for a spiritual life. The normal college experience for me wasn't that fulfilling, you know, the party life and everything. And I remember just thinking, like, restless. So when I started my sophomore year of college, I remember I was at Mount St. Mary's College in Emmitsburg, Maryland. I remember thinking more about the priesthood. And I remember being like having a hard time, like at night, even falling asleep because I was really uncertain. Should I be a priest? Should I get married? It was a lot about celibacy at that time. And then I uh, remember one October day, I went up the mountain to pray at the Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes, which is above the college. And I was praying there, again, this kind of struggle, and I just put it in Mary's hands. And prayed to the Lord through her intercession to, to kind of help me to know what is your will for me. And when I thought then about priesthood, it really, I had this flood of peace and joy in the idea. So I point that as the actual experience of the call. And that stayed with me. It wasn't just something that was a consolation of a few minutes for many days. So I eventually applied to the seminary was accepted, so I began in the seminary as a, when I was a junior in college, and I was sent to St. Charles Seminary in Philadelphia. Have you had any major aha moments during this journey in terms of being a priest and a bishop that you just say, this, this is what God called me to be? I mean, you, you've known right then and there that this is what you were destined to do. Yeah, I think, you know, there were many grace-filled moments, uh, moments of, of confirmation that, yes, uh, especially... I think of experiences where I've been able to help someone, maybe, for example, in confession, 
bringing the healing peace of Christ to someone who was burdened by sin and guilt. I can think of moments celebrating Mass where just the awesomeness of the mystery of the Eucharist became rather overwhelming. Being with people who are dying and praying over them or praying with them, anointing them, joyful moments of baptizing my nieces and nephew and uh, First Communions, weddings of so many people, uh, including family members. So there's a lot of aha moments. I, To me, it's been a very happy life. There's obviously carrying the cross because it's not always like that. There are moments of suffering and that that's part of being a follower of Jesus. It's part of our discipleship. I think when I talked to you before, you said you were an introvert. Is that, is that what? Would that Definitely. Be? Okay, so th- that's got to be hard, though. I mean, because you're so public. Yeah. So being an introvert, is this like does this drain you to be out and talk to people like you have to? <laughs> it does, especially social occasions, or you know, I really have to uh, push myself because. Yeah, I enjoy people, and but going to a social gathering, or let's say I'm greeting people after a confirmation or another mass, sometimes it's like over an hour of you know shaking hands, talking to people, and that's part of my ministry. But I have to admit, I get really tired at the end of it. I'm like, oh, just to go home and be alone. Someone said to me, well, isn't it hard living alone? I said, no, not at all. Because being an introvert, I love to just go to my chapel. Well, bishop's allowed to have the Blessed Sacrament in his house in the chapel. That's one of the perks of being a bishop. (laughs) And for me, I guess because of my personality, I'm in the public so much. But then I do treasure that time alone. Yeah. Are you a reader? Yeah, I love to read. What are you reading now? Right now, I'm reading a book that was given to me. I love history by Monsignor Heinz. Of on Pope Pius VII and Napoleon. He was the Pope in the 19th century who was taken prisoner by Napoleon. I just started the book, but I love reading history. I also read a lot about early American history, like around the time of the Revolution, the Declaration of Independence, the first presidents. That's been a particular interest of mine. But other parts of history, even church history in Indiana, for example, and the early missionaries. I love learning about them. Why does that appeal to you? I'm just so inspired by the missionaries who brought the gospel to our country and like all that they went through to plant the seeds of the gospel here in America. Or I was just in Nigeria in, in July and I was just fascinated by the Irish missionaries, the Holy Ghost Fathers who brought the gospel to Nigeria, that part of Nigeria. It's just amazing to me, you know, a different culture, different languages, and yet they had that that fortitude and zeal. I love reading about that, yeah. What was the the course or the, or the topic that was the biggest struggle for you in seminary? That's a good question. I kind of am more academically inclined, so I kind of enjoyed my studies. I would say I enjoyed theology. I actually enjoyed philosophy. I loved learning foreign languages. You know, I studied Latin and Greek, and then I studied, I was in Rome for seven years, so I studied, obviously had to learn Italian. The classes were taught in Italian. When I studied canon law for two years, the classes were taught in Latin. 
but I just love learning the languages. I know it sounds kind of strange, but but as far as anything that I disliked, I would say there were some parts of canon law that I thought were boring, but other than that, I can't think of studies that I really disliked. So you were that whiz kid. You had it all down. <laughs> yep. So it's good to know our bishop has it has it handled there in the, in the theology department. Uh, what, what types of hobbies do you have? I mean, what do you like to do on your free time? Okay. It's kind of evolved. I used to play basketball a lot. Now I'm not in shape. So then I, uh, but I liked uh, playing tennis, and but I rarely do it now. I just don't have enough time. I really need to get more physical exercise. So I do like, uh, and I like hiking. My, but as I said, my favorite sport to play was always basketball. I did like football too. I did not like playing baseball, even though I did in Little League, but I didn't really like it. But I loved basketball. It was hard for me because I had bad asthma. So in high school, and I mean, I had to go to the hospital sometimes because I'd you know, wouldn't be able to breathe. So that was rough. But I kind of grew out of it by the time I went to college. And then I was able to play intramurals and stuff, which I loved. Uh, now, I would say the only, and I love swimming, um, but probably now it's mainly occasionally tennis. You know, it's, there's this misnomer that you live in some faraway land up north, but you actually live in Fort Wayne, correct? Yeah, downtown. Yeah, I mean, so people don't know that. That's that's yeah. crazy. I mean, so many people think you live in South Bend. You you actually live here. <laughs> I do. When I'm in South Bend, I live at the mother house of the Sisters of St. Francis in Mishawaka. But here in Fort Wayne, I live at St. Mary's Rectory downtown. And the reason I'm there is when I was named Bishop, Bishop Darcy was still alive, and he had a house near St. John the Baptist Parish within their boundaries. So I wasn't going to ask him to move. So I asked... Uh, the, uh, the I asked Joe Ryan and Monsignor Schulte, I said, is there any vacant rectory I could stay at? And sure enough, St. Mary's downtown was vacant because I didn't want, you know, the diocese to have to pay for a house for me. And I didn't want to kick Bishop Darcy out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll move into that. Uh, it's only a few blocks from the Archbishop Knoll Center, a few blocks from the cathedral. That'll be So I've been there for 12 years now. Wow. And, and you like living downtown and it's growing it's it's getting a lot more busy down there yeah yeah i mean there's been some crime around my house these more recently so um but i have had no problems see it's interesting because i'm telling you people are going to hear this and and just start to understand that you are a real person like (laughs) you know you like you just said i had some crime around my house i mean like that that's stuff that we all have to think about and here's bishop kevin rhodes has to think about that so I, I, that brings like a personhood to you, you know, and I think that speaks to when you and I uh, bumped into each other at that gas station that day, you, you weren't wearing your normal gear. I looked at you in a different way that day. You, you, looked, to, you looked like a, a strong man to me, you know, not just Bishop, but a strong man. And I just wanted to give you a hug, <laughs> you know. Um, do you feel like people talk to you differently or treat you differently because of that? I, I don't know. I think... Um... It depends on the people. I think obviously there's people who know me more than others do, and they, um, yeah, they see me more personally. But there are some people who maybe only see me in formal occasions when I'm in a parish for a parish anniversary or a confirmation or some big diocesan event because my calendar is full of those mm-hmm. formal occasions. So some people only see me then. Although they, you know, I'm usually you know greet people after mass or they have a. 
reception afterwards with food, and I try to walk around and meet people. But but those are kind of brief encounters. But there are some people who've you know who I've worked more closely with, diocesan staff, or certainly the priests and um, some of you know our principals. People like that probably know me a little bit more. Do you feel like you have a good relationship with the priest of the diocese? Oh yeah, yeah. We have a great presbyterate, a very good fraternity. What do you think people will be surprised to know about you? Maybe what you already said, that I'm an introvert. I think people would be surprised at that. I don't think it's apparent. They might be surprised that their bishop is a New York Yankees fan. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, I'm very close to my family. I mean, like like my nieces and nephew and that, I'm very close to them. I, I think people would like, oh, yeah, being an uncle. I mean, that's really important to me. I'm an important part of their lives. That's a real gift to me in my life, personally. Sure. And to my, especially to my sister. And, and, and I, have a, I have some very close friends that go back to high school. And they'll come out and visit. Like, some of them are coming out for a Notre Dame game. Well, actually, I have different ones coming out for a couple Notre Dame games. So that connection with my, with my past, friends from high school, from seminary, uh, and then family, cousins, I've... You know, I said, growing up, very close to my cousins, a bunch of them were coming out for a Notre Dame game. So I think people don't see that part of me. Right. Well, here's a weird question. Do you do your own grocery shopping? I do. I mean, that's again, some people probably just assume you don't even grocery shop, but you do grocery shop. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is uh, sometimes it's hard because I get stopped. And let's say I have an hour. And if I get stopped because people recognize me, then, and they get talking, and then I'm not going to get time to do it. So now I'll like go in shorts and put a baseball cap on to not be noticed so much. But anyhow, it's not that I want to avoid people. It's just that I only have a certain amount of time to get the shopping done. Right, absolutely. So you mentioned you're a Yankees fan. What other sports teams are you going to align yourself with today? Let's talk about football. Do you, I mean, Notre Dame football, right? Definitely. Okay. Professional? Eagles. Oh, why that? People always ask me, oh, you're a Steelers fan. And I'm like, no. I mean, we always, I mean, Lebanon and Harrisburg, I mean, we're oriented, we're on the eastern side. Mm-hmm. So we're, but people in Indiana automatically think Steelers. Mm. And I always have to say, no, no, Eagles. They forget that that's part of Pennsylvania, maybe. I have to laugh. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I did have one change in loyalty since I've been here. I, for the National League, I'm now a Cubs fan. Uh oh. I don't know how that, well, I do know why that happened. It wasn't long after I came here that they won the World Series. So, but I had never really had a National League team, but I really enjoy I've been to three or four Cubs games and I love it. I've uh, kind of gotten to know Chicago a little bit and I love those kind of neighborhood stadiums and that was great. Yeah. What about board games? What's your favorite board game? Risk. Uh, growing up, Risk and really. Rob, no one could beat me in risk. Oh, just really? So you know. Yeah. Wow. I'm very competitive, just so you know. So it's another in sports. Thing. I am very competitive. Still. Still. And playing cards too, although I never get a chance to play cards now, but it's been years. But I've always been very competitive. I mean, I was playing basketball with my nephew when he was like eight years old and I'd stuff him, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's how competitive, isn't that terrible? <laughs> Teach him how the real world works, right? You're not going to get a free shot on yeah, this yeah. Nope. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'll block a shot. No, I, I try to be nice. But What's your favorite card game then? Growing up, we played Pinochle a lot or 500 Rummy. 
But it's so long, honestly, Rob, since I played a game of cards, I don't even know if I'd remember. Where's the coolest place that you've visited? You've been around a few places, but what's, what's the coolest place? Greece. And why do you like that? I found my relatives. I was the first one to go back since my grandfather left. But the natural beauty of the islands, and those were all places with so much ancient history, and it's where St. Paul and St. John, the island of Patmos, and going to the different islands, and Ephesus, that's in Turkey, actually. But that whole area, I love the Mediterranean, and living seven years in Rome, I spent a summer in Spain as a deacon. I love the Mediterranean. So Spain, if you said, where do I like to travel? My three favorite countries, Spain, Italy, and Greece. Is there somewhere you have to visit that you haven't gone yet before the time is up? That's a good question. As far as countries, I don't, there's none that, um, I would mention, I do have to mention though, that um, you know my trips with Catholic Relief Services in Africa, and my recent trip to Nigeria, I've, I've grown really to love the African people. And the church there is so vibrant and it's so inspiring and uplifting. Plus, Latin America I love and Our Lady of Guadalupe I have a lot of devotion to in Mexico. But as far as where I would want to... There is one place in Italy that I don't know why I never got to visit. And my high school classmates, our 50th reunion's coming up in a few years... And they've asked me to lead a pilgrimage. And one place I want to go that I've never been to before is Loretto, you know, which has the holy house. And um, I was thinking when they asked me to lead this pilgrimage, that was in my mind. Like, that's one place. I don't know why I never visited there. So that's one place I do want to go. Have you met the Pope? Yeah. Pope Francis, I've met um, three times in person. And what's that like? It's really always little bit overwhelming, you know, to be in the presence of the successor of St. Peter, the Vicar of Christ. When I met, would meet and serve Mass for Pope John Paul, I knew I was in the presence of a saint. I mean, so I was kind of overwhelmed with uh, emotion when I would meet him and serve Mass for him, and I was a deacon for him a few times at Masses. That's like a very precious memory. And then I met, also had great admiration for Pope Benedict XVI. Um, I had met him when he was a cardinal, and then had him in a visit, so I met him a few times as well. And I also felt very much with him, I always thought he was a brilliant theologian, but also a very humble and uh, gentle shepherd. Tell me a little bit more about your confirmation saint. I know that's important to you. Yeah. Well, at the time that I chose him in seventh grade, it was because I thought he was Jesus' best friend. So that was the reason. But since then, I think his gospel is the most incredible of the gospels. Just the insights and the theology in that gospel, and also St. John's letters, as well as the book of Revelation. I mean, he wrote really five of the books of the New Testament. So I just think it's the um, it's that profound theology I really like. Um, and also, you know, his, not just his theological insights, but his spiritual knowledge of the Lord. I mean, he's the one who rested his head on Jesus's breast. It's almost like he, he just had the knowledge of the heart as well as the head. So before you're finished as the Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, what's the one thing you have to accomplish? My focus now is on the Eucharistic revival and this is a really tough time to be a bishop. It's actually a tough time to be a Catholic 
because we live in a in a culture which is you know has strayed so much from not just um, Christianity but from the natural law and the truths that really our nation were founded upon. Uh, kind of reminds me more of other civilizations like the Roman civilization in its decline. So I think it's a really tough time, and I really think that we need, um, how are we going to stay strong, and how is the church not only going to be survive but to flourish? I can't think of a better way than getting back to what is the source and summit of our faith and our life, and that's the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a, in a different episode, but I guess I ask all my guests this last question, so it's a perfect time to do this. Are, are you hopeful? I think I'm naturally hopeful because of the resurrection of Jesus, so I never would give up hope. But my hope is not in, you know, the cross is our only hope. So it's not just a question of numbers, etc. It's It's hope in Christ and and his cross. Ultimately we know that that is victorious. So even if we're in this valley of tears with all the challenges that we face, you know, God still reigns. Well, Bishop, I mean, I want people to know that it's real easy to be angry at somebody you can't see or you can't talk to. And we live in a world where there's vitriol and anger across the board at a lot of different things. And so we come out of a pandemic and everybody's just complaining. But to see you as a person and as a man today, it's a gift. And I, I hope people listen to this and really understand that uh, we're being led by someone that is authentically living the life of Jesus. And I appreciate everything that you do for the diocese. And I appreciate you being here today with us. Thanks very much, Rob. God bless you. Dominic, why are you wanting to support the Belt of Truth podcast? I think that the quality of content is extraordinary with the Belt of Truth, and that's why it's growing so quickly. I've had so much positive feedback from anybody that I've sent a podcast to that they have been impacted in a positive way or that they have had something improve uh, within their personal or spiritual life simply through listening to the podcast. So my choice to sponsor the Belt of Truth podcast is because I have seen the positive impact that it's made on on parishioners of St. Vincent, their families, their friends, and anybody else that they have had the opportunity to share the podcast with. We would like to thank local real estate agent Dominic Parsons for his sponsorship of the Belt of Truth podcast. Dominic is a full-time, dedicated, trustworthy real estate agent that is always happy to help answer your real estate questions. Reach out to Dominic at 260-271-9601 or send him an email at dominiccparsons at gmail.com. 